0: to episode 10 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lepore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're new to the show, we would really appreciate it if you subscribed because it would really help us out as we continue to make some great Leafs and NHL content. So it was not a good week for the Toronto Maple Leafs. As of Monday, March 15th, 2021, the Toronto Maple Leafs dropped to eighth in the NHL in points percentage after going one and three this past week. It was their worst week of the season so far. Some Leaf fans are panicking, but others are are still relaxed. And we are going to go over the week that was and give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that went down with this team. But first, it's time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lapore. How are you doing, man?
1: You know, Bruno, <laughs> a lot of our episodes kind of start in a similar way. You do your thing. You do your intro. You ask me how I'm doing. And it's pretty much been the same answer every time. I'm doing good, Bruno. Things are good, Bruno. Well, you know what, Bruno? Things are not good. You want to know why? Because my favorite hockey team sucks. That's why. Things have changed and we have a lot to get to in this show. I have a lot of problems in a lot of different areas. So as you can tell, things are going to be very insightful on this week's edition of Guns for Punishment.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing better than fired up Michael Lapore. <laughs> and I think that's what we're in for on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. But uh yeah, guys, I mean, it was brutal this past week. And listen, I'm usually pretty optimistic about this team, and for the most part, I I'm still very optimistic in terms of what I think this team can accomplish, you know, from now until the end of the season and come playoff time as well. but last week was a big time wake-up call. So let's just kind of go over the week that was real quick. So, The Leafs started the week on Tuesday at home to the Winnipeg Jets. And honestly, the Leafs played pretty well. But Connor Hellebuck was unbelievable. He made 36 saves. The Leafs had 25 high danger scoring chances in this game. But the Jets (sighs) pulled off a 4-3 win. So you kind of just throw your hands up in the air. You give credit to Connor Hellebuck. He was able to win that game for the Jets. But if you thought Connor Hellebuck was good in the Tuesday night game, he was even better on Thursday night. The dude was unbelievable. He was standing on his head making some of the best saves, honestly, I think I've ever seen. I mean, it was getting ridiculous at at one point. I started laughing at some of the saves he was making, stopping dudes on breakaways, stopping guys point blank in front of the net and then he was getting the help of a crossbar on that amazing chance from William Nylander. It's
1: crazy. It's crazy. It was
0: unbelievable. But after everything that Connor Hellebuck did, that superhuman performance, Austin Matthews came to the rescue of the Toronto Maple Leafs like we've seen him do time and time again, scoring that ridiculous backhand goal in overtime as 21st of the season, giving the Leafs a 4-3 win in overtime. But then on Saturday night, Things got worse for the Toronto Maple Leafs as the Jets beat them five to two. Things did not get off to a good start because Pierre Engvall scored that goal, and it was called back on the hand pass. And then the Jets just kind of took over the game. They scored three goals in the third period, two on the power play. There was a couple of questionable penalties in that third period, but Freddie Anderson just wasn't good. And honestly, Freddie Anderson right now is in a stretch of some pretty bad hockey he's allowed 18 goals in his last five games for an 872 save percentage so he has obviously not been very good and we'll we'll get into all that later in the podcast and then just when you thought the Leafs had a cupcake game that they were going to turn things around and everything was going to be sunshine and rainbows again playing the terrible Ottawa Senators On the second night of a back to back, it was anything but. The Leafs were asleep. They did not show up. It was a complete disaster from beginning to end as the Senators beat them four to three. So the Leafs go one and three this past week. Laporte, they are now one and five since sweeping the Edmonton Oilers. I need to hear your thoughts, man. What's going on with this team?
1: Uh, a lot's going on with this team. And I think we can go through game by game and see different reasons why they lost, uh, minus the one game they won. It was a mixed bag, really weird mixed bag of a week. And everyone, I was half kidding with my introduction. I'm not as panicked and flabbergasted with this losing streak as I may made it sound. Because so let's move back and look at those first three games they lost. The two against the Canucks and the one against Winnipeg. That first game, Demko stood on his head, made 31 saves, save percentage of 969. The second one, 37 saves, save percentage of 949. That first game against Hellibok, the Leafs lose again. 36 saves, save percentage of 923. Over those first three losses, the Leafs fired 104 shots on net, scored six goals. The goalies they faced had a nine four-two save percentage.
0: That's I mean, insane.
1: like that's insane. Like, so like let's face it, stuff like that. I don't even want to say that happens because it shouldn't happen, but that's the stretch where you look at it and you say, it's just not fucking going their way and the puck's not going in. And you mentioned how Hellebuck was playing. It actually got ridiculous, like how well he was playing in that game. And even like on the Leafs end, like I am going to shit on them a little bit because there has to be some blame placed on the players with regard to ability to finish. Like, there's the saying in soccer, when a player misses the wide open net, like, oh, it would have been easier to score. Meaning, he had such a chance, it'd be difficult to miss that one. The Leafs had a few of those. Like, that one with Nylander, where he hellebuck came across, he saved it, and then Nylander put it off the crossbar. Like, that was actually comical. Like, Nylander could try that one a thousand times, and not do it again. Like, absolutely crazy. You mentioned the game after that, they win. And that game, again, they played incredible. They played absolutely incredible. If I remember correctly, I looked at Money Puck and the Geeks had the Leafs at that game at like an 88% chance to win. And it's never that high. Like hockey is a sport where even if you're like 60 65%, you dominated your opponent. But then you go to the next two games. And we've said a few times on this show that the Leafs maybe played their worst game of the season. A lot of people were saying metrically that first loss to the Jets. Was their worst game of the season? Like I mentioned, that money puck uh, money puck stat in their favor for their win against the Jets. That loss, I think the Leafs were at like twenty five percent. Like yeah, bad. just to actually
0: add a stat from James Myrtle Lepore. uh, He said that Winnipeg led Toronto fourteen to three in high danger scoring chances Fuck. at even strength, and the Leafs had thirty five percent expected goals in yeah, that five two loss on Saturday night.
1: That's terrible, especially like for a team that prides themselves on like creating scoring chances and puck possession. Like they look bad, but at the same time, like I'll fire it back to you, and I'm sure a lot of people want to hear us talk about it. Those two penalties that were called, there was the the first one on Riley, where the puck's in the air and the Jets player, who was it again? Was it Ehlers. Ellers? It was Ealers yeah. who just
0: who just ran into skated him, skated into him, and and
1: they call it, and then of course the Jets score. And then there was that one with Hyman I thought was even more ridiculous. Like I- at least with the Riley one, I'm like, okay, I guess he kind of saw this, but the Hyman one was just like craziness. Like I, I I was replaying it again and again, trying to pinpoint what exactly the referee saw. Um, and then of course, Keith loses his mind like he should and you get a five on three and they're going to, they, they're going to score because, you know, hashtag hockey gods, but no excuses again, at least played like absolute trash. And then the Sens game, was there ever like, I'm gonna try my try my best not to laugh at this was there ever a game that just had more of those weird hockey things pointing to one team winning and one team losing like the least played the night before like whatever that happens but what was weird and I'll ask you this I don't know if you saw it they flew the day of the game and I, I've talked I've spoken to hockey people in the past and I thought that wasn't allowed. I thought it was kind of like an NHL rule that you had to travel the day before, like maybe they've made a change this year. to make an exceptions based on the circumstances with COVID. And again, you're only playing teams in your division. So maybe it was something they're allowing now, but have you ever heard anything like that before that you're not allowed to do that? Or, you know, they are allowed to do that. I
0: haven't heard that you weren't allowed to do it in the past. I'm actually not sure maybe they did change the rule this year because of covid and the you know the yeah. divisional play that's happening across the league but it could have also been a daylight savings thing because the yeah. clocks went forward. I don't right. know maybe the Leafs thought it was more beneficial to leave the day of and because yeah, well I'm sure all-
1: they did I'm sure they had the choice so yeah. yeah
0: exactly and I think I saw a quote from one of the players saying that there was kind of um it was kind of 50 50. Between the players, in terms of like half the group wanted to leave the night before and half wanted to leave the day of, I, I can't remember really? exactly who it was, but I saw that floating around Twitter as well. Okay. And they were only flying to Ottawa, right? So it's not yeah, like, it's it was like 45 like,
1: minutes. Yeah. Like
0: Cross country flight or anything like that, right? But yeah. No, I, that was, that was bizarre. I, I, just I was bizarre. Actually, exactly. I was really surprised when I found out that they were actually flying the day of. And, and yeah, man, it, it was a disaster. Like, it just started off, and you you could just tell that the Leafs were asleep.
1: But that's the thing. like That's what I was getting at in the way of like, hey, so you have this thing flying the day of, okay? They're skating out in the fucking green jerseys, okay? <laughs> then you have that weird thing with Murray, and I don't think anything's even come out with regard to him being injured or what it was. And then you have the Joey Decord kid coming in. Who they got to keep repeating it. He's never won a game in the NHL. He's never won a game in the NHL. He's never won a game in the NHL. So you add up these things of the Leafs flying the day of, weird, the green jerseys, and now this Joey Decord kid playing who's never won a game in the NHL.
0: You can see there a, it coming. Oh, my God.
1: Bet your fucking house on this one. And again, just because it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, like, throw that one, too. Like, just waiting for it, right? And the slow start, like, bang, bang, goal, goal. Oh, and Hutchison was in. Throw that one in. But, oh, my God. Just w- what is a disaster. It's not too often you watch your favorite team play and you genuinely do not enjoy watching it. I didn't enjoy watching that. Like, even when they were coming back, there's like I almost, like, wasn't excited. I was just kind of like, nah, this is just like gross. Just teasing us again. Yeah. And you kind of knew it too. That like there's no and, way this is you gonna knew, work out. Laporte, you knew they were gonna
0: mount a little bit of a comeback. Yeah. You knew it was gonna happen. And then, you know, the last five, six minutes, they were gonna try their hardest and throw the kitchen sink at Ottawa. And then of course they score a couple goals and you get your hopes up, like, oh my God, they're really gonna pull off this comeback. And then nope, they yeah. just leafed us again.
1: Yeah, they didn't deserve it, so whatever. Exactly,
0: I, and, and that's the thing. And and you alluded to it, you know, when you kind of did your rant there about the the Vancouver games and how Demko Demko was amazing, and then how Hellebuck was incredible in a couple of those games. I wasn't that upset with the way the Leafs played in most of those games. So, like, yeah, they shouldn't be. And like I mentioned, they are now one in five since sweeping the Oilers. So. They obliterate the Oilers, they outscore them 13 to 1 over 3 games. They hold McDavid and Sidle to 1 point in 3 games. Everyone's saying it's the greatest Leafs team of all time. I'm I'm saying it's the best Leafs team of my lifetime. I mean, everyone is just on cloud 9 after that sweep. And even though they're 1 in 5 since that 3 game sweep, I actually don't think they've been that bad because yeah. like you talked about Laporte there's about three or four games of those six where they just flat out got goalied where Thatcher Demko and Connor Hellebuck stood on their heads and were incredible. So the way that I look at it, as long as you're generating high quality scoring chances and you're winning puck battles and you're doing a lot of good things, both offensively and defensively, then there's not really a lot to be upset about. Yeah. Can we be upset? That certain players aren't finishing off plays, yeah, that's really frustrating. And like you said, Laporte, like sure, we can, you know, we can say Connor Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko were great, and they won those games for the Canucks and Jets. But at the end of the day, your players, when they get high quality scoring chances like that, they gotta fucking score.
1: Yeah, come on,
0: right? So at some point, it's like it's like you mentioned, you have to you you have to expect your best players. And not even your best players, guys like Ilya Mikhaev and Pierre Engvall, when they're getting scoring chances and they're point blank opportunities, you have to expect those guys to score. You can't just yeah. let them you, you can't just let them off the hook they when they're letting opportunities like that go by the wayside. So so that was a little bit frustrating for sure. But all in all, other than that that five-two Jets game and then obviously the disaster against the Senators on Sunday night in the second of, of a back to back. For the most part, I don't think that one in five record kind of shows how the Leafs have played over the last six games. And and that's why I think going into this little bit of a break that they have now that, yes, they're going to be mad and they're, they're going to be frustrated that they only won once in those six games. But they also have to feel good for the most part about how they've been playing. And that yeah. might sound a little crazy to some fans to say that, but... They've been playing some pretty solid hockey. And listen, sometimes it's not going to go your way, right? It, they were they got off to a ridiculous start this year, okay? They were at a 130-point yeah. pace. We knew they weren't going to keep that up. Obviously, things have come back down to earth a little bit. They weren't as good as we thought they were at the beginning of the season. But I also don't think they're nearly as bad as some people think they are based on the recent stretch of games.
1: You know what's actually funny? And this is going to sound weird coming off a string of games where they've uh, they've lost five of their last six, you always try to learn as much as you can from the games you watch uh, of your team. And when I say that, like more in the broad scope of what this team can do, like both in the way of winning and losing, where there are stretches that really show you something, Both, and that can happen both in a positive way and a negative way. I look at the recent games, and what it shows me is that if we get to the playoffs and this team doesn't come out of the division it is because they didn't play well and that may sound overly simplistic but what i'm saying what i mean by that is it's up to them if you watch those games against winnipeg they're carrying the play like like i don't think anyone watched those three games and said and could say oh the jets are a better team than the leaves
0: yeah there's no way there's
1: no way like like i mean you could say well if hellebuck plays amazing okay that you could say that about any playoff series, any season. But I look at these, I look at these games against Vancouver, that they those two they lost. I look at the games against the Jets, and to me, I watched the Leafs play very well and just not score. And and again, and a lot of these games too, like even that one where we were saying it was naturally their worst game of the year. It was a one goal game at one point yeah, in the They third, weren't even in, that bad. They were, and they were like based on like it's not like they got blown out six one, like kind of like old Leafs teams when they played poorly. So. I'm putting, I guess I'm putting more pressure on them with with my expectations saying, this is up to you now. Like you're showing that even when you lose, it's not that bad and you don't play that poorly and usually still in the game. So if you lose, it's going to be because not because someone beat you, it's going to be because someone beat yourself. So, I mean, if we can be worried, that's the whole, that's the question as to whether we should be worried that they don't play to their potential, but I'll ask you that. Is there any part of you that has that like lingering Toronto Maple Leafs thing swinging around in your head that when it comes playoff time, they won't play to their potential?
0: No, to be honest, I'm not worried because I've been watching this team very closely this season, game in and game out. And honestly, Lapore, for 90% of the games they've played so far, I've thought they were the better team. And maybe yeah. that's a little bit too high, but if you've truly been tracking this team all season and you've seen them play, against all the other Canadian teams you cannot sit there and tell me with a straight face that any of those teams are better than the Leafs right there's no way in hell and yes can Connor hellebuck stand on his head one game and can Connor McDavid and Leon Dryside go nuts for a couple of games but right now where we are you know halfway through the season at this point, I still don't think there is a single team in this Canadian division. That can beat the Leafs in a seven game playoff series when the Leafs play their best hockey. And do they have to play their absolute best hockey to beat these teams? Not really. But if the Leafs are playing to 90 to 95% of their potential in a seven game series, I still think it's going to be very difficult. For any of these teams to beat them in a seven game playoff series
1: fully agree fully agree some of those numbers like you mentioned that four three loss to winnipeg and again like this is one game so people can say oh you're taking examples from one game i just found this game hilarious some of the uh, some of the five v five shot metrics okay so again winnipeg won four to three Five on five. The shot attempts were fifty-three to thirty-two Toronto. The unblocked attempts were forty-four to thirty for Toronto. The shots on goal were thirty-two to nineteen for Toronto. The scoring chance area attempts were forty to fifteen for Toronto. And the high danger area attempts were sixteen to five Toronto. That's more than three to one for high danger scoring chances. Unbelievable. Like that's that's shit kicking a team. And you lost four to three. And again, we're not completely letting them off the hook. You have to fucking score, but just pointing to certain types of losses and where you can just say, "You're showing me you're a really good team," and like the and these are going to happen, and least nations going to freak out, the media is going to freak out, they're going to fuel everything. But I mean, me looking at it, there are reasons why I might be. I, I, no, you know what? I take that back. Because the only things that would worry me going into say a series with Winnipeg is Hellebuck. And no team, like, I mean, even the juggernaut Tampa Bay Lightning teams would go into any series and say, well, the goalie might stand on his head. And you get, you get into the playoffs and you're going to play a really good goalie at some point.
0: Yeah, that's so, almost a fear with any team. With any
1: team. So if you're going in saying, please, please, God, don't let their goalie play out of his mind. Well, I mean, every team's going to say that and you're you're in pretty good shape. So I'm in the same boat with you that I'm not absolutely worried. Right, And even two, it's actually kind of funny, like back to people freaking out. Someone pulled this up, which I found was awesome. So of course, Leaf Nation is freaking out. The Leafs have lost five of their last six games. And you know, the takes come out of like, we thought this team was a contender. There's no way any real contender would ever play this badly over a stretch. Oh, really? <laughs> so let's go back. Let's look at the numbers, ladies and gentlemen. Enlighten
0: us, Michael. Lepore. Oh, man, Enlighten
1: awesome. Because, again, it's the whole thing of the when bad things happen. I've brought it up before, the whole what if this happened to the Toronto Maple Leafs? And know people would be kicking and screaming and going nuts, but when it happens to any other teams, a minus the Montreal Canadiens, nobody cares or no one notices. So last year, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. They had a stretch where they lost five of six games, just like the Leafs. The year before, the Blues won the Stanley Cup, the 18-19 Blues. They had a stretch where they lost five of six games. Going back, the 7-18 Capitals, they had a stretch where they lost six of eight games. Whew. Exactly. Oh, I'm not done, Bruno. Then you go back, the 16-17 Penguins, they had one that was a little different. They had a four-game losing streak. Okay. But now you go to the 15, 16 Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins. They had a stretch where they lost nine of eleven.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Bad, bad. Like again, what if it? What if this Leafs team lost nine of eleven? So again, not letting them completely off the hook. They lost games. They played really poorly in some of those games. But what, as we like to do on Guns for Punishment, is try our best to push forward a little perspective, and. They got to turn it around. We're not denying that. They got those two games coming up this week against Calgary. They have a break. We expect them to play well and turn it around. And it is going to get to a point where you don't just really expect good play or hope for good play. You hope for W's because it does get to a point where, no, 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 we guys are getting some points, boys. But at this point, no. The Leafs are pretty well in the same boat as I had them a week ago doing this podcast. I'm right
0: there with you, man. And if I can pick one thing that's been frustrating and that maybe I am a little bit scared of as we, you know, play the second half of the season and get into the playoffs, Drum it's roll. the goaltending, <laughs> Lepore. There that's it is. That's the one thing because when I look at this team from top to bottom, when I look at their forward group and I look at the defense core, there really isn't a lot of holes. There really isn't. You stack and this up,
1: team's, team's going to add Bruno. Like we even exactly. talked about like this team is good. That, that first round draft pick is gone. This team's gonna add, they have to.
0: This team is all in this season. All right, they have an Amazon filming crew following them around.
1: Keep like forgetting about that.
0: They've already traded, you know, first round draft picks in the past, getting Jake Muzzin. Um, they dealt a first round pick just to get rid of friggin' Patrick Marlowe. Like Kyle yeah. Dubis is is not gonna be afraid to make a move here, he's gonna be aggressive. And he knows that his team is really, really good and that they have a pretty damn good chance of winning the Stanley Cup. And, you know, like I mentioned, there's really not that many holes on this roster. And I know that, you know, some people listening to this podcast aren't following, you know, the ins and outs of every other team in the NHL. But I promise you, you go through all those teams and their rosters and the way they've been playing this season, I would stack up the Leafs to really any of the top teams in the league. But the one area of concern I have at the moment is the goaltending because Freddie Anderson right now, Lapore, is having the worst season of his career. Ugh. Last year wasn't good. Last year was his worst season as a Leaf over his first four years. So he's been essentially getting progressively worse as exactly. the years go on with the Leafs. Yeah. And now this is officially... Right now, his worst statistical season, not only of his Leafs tenure, but of his entire career in the NHL. So Um, just kind of looking at his stats, he's now 13-7-2. I mean, throw the record out the window, whatever. This team is really good. But he has a 900 save percentage and a 2.86 goals against average. And if you look at just the last five games, like I mentioned earlier in the show, last five games, Anderson has allowed 18 goals He's uh he's one four and with an 872 save percentage. Curse. And Jack Campbell is having injury problems right now. And when Jack Campbell's been in, he's been great. But Jack Campbell can't stay healthy. So exactly. that's also a concern. And then a massive concern is if holy shit, if this team has to play Michael Hutchinson in the playoffs, yeah, well, they're in deep.
1: We're- Deep yeah, we're we're done, we're we're done here. Yeah, I mean.
0: Like so so um, when I just look at their goaltending as a whole, like I would not be surprised one bit Laporte if we get to playoff time and Campbell and Anderson are both healthy and if Campbell's playing better, I would not be surprised one bit if they just roll with Campbell in the playoffs. And that might yeah. be a hot take, you could say I'm crazy, but the way that Anderson's been trending, not only recently but you know, even over the last couple of seasons, it's concerning. So I, what's your take on the goaltending situation right now, Laporte and the play of Freddie Anderson?
1: The thing with Freddie, it's, like you say, his save percentage is, is 900. It's not that you watch him. Like, I can't really think of many goals this year where I kind of got out of my chair and yelled, like, what the fuck, Freddie? Like, how'd you not save that? It's just that that cliche thing of just make a save, and that's why he's at 900. And I think that's why a lot of Leafs fans are frustrated. And especially, again, when you're watching the goalie across the way stand on his friggin' head and make 40 saves against us and we lose. But it's, it's that. It's just that thing of like, Freddie, like, make a save. And he's costing himself money, like, as we're moving forward. Like you said, the numbers have been trending down every single year. So, I mean, he's got to snap out of it even for himself. But it's not good. And as for Campbell, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns there. Like, ideally, we don't we want Freddie to be at his best come playoff time yeah, and he course. and he's the guy in. We don't want to be putting our hopes on a backup goalie who, like you said, gets hurt all the time. But as for Freddie goes, like we've seen enough now, you know? So like I'm at that point. Like I was kind of brushed it aside in the way that, you know, I guess I was using like confirmation bias for what he had done previously but it seems like I have a good enough sample size of data that shows that he's just average or even like average at best. And that's not going to cut it. It's kind of like what we said before in the way that, and funny how I just said how he's like average, but the whole take we had as the season started was we GRD are D to be fine. And it's been better than fine. And now we have the situation with our goaltending, where the mindset is just don't lose it for us, and you know make that occasional save. And I don't think that's too much to ask from a starting goalie making five million dollars a year.
0: Yeah, just make the save.
1: Yeah, in those like,
0: big moments when the team needs it and the game is you know maybe on the verge of slipping away. Just give us one big save. One. That's all and we're the, asking for.
1: And the Leafs, the Leafs are at a point as a team where. I mean, it's maybe like the conference finals or the Stanley Cup finals. We're like, yeah, goalie's going to have to steal a game or two. But there aren't going to be too many of those games throughout the course of a regular season where we're going to say, okay, yeah, maybe Freddie stole that one. or We're going to need Freddie to steal that one. So am I worried? Like, like that's a strong word. But you don't – it doesn't take much. <laughs> like, in, in the playoffs, all it takes is one bad game or one bad goal for that matter, and I'm pissed off and our goalie blew it for us. But – you really think there's a chance like we get to a point and Campbell could be the start, starting goalie? I mean, at the end of the day, I guess we, Freddie's done after this. We don't owe anything to him. So, And now is not the time to be nice or to show I, respect I to doubt the goalie. I it
0: man. I don't doubt it for one bit. He's in the final year of his contract. And like you said, he's not going to make a lot of money in free agency if he continues to play like this. Yeah. And I would be absolutely stunned if the Leafs bring him back. Because
1: oh, it's, that that we're done. No, no, no. That, because that, to number me, that's one, craziness. they're
0: just not going to be able to afford him. You know, yeah. even if he, even if he is losing money with the way that he's playing, he's still going to get you know sort of a sizable contract, right? There's going to be one.
1: There's, gonna, there's always one stupid team. Is um, exactly pe- pe- people always break it down like, oh, he doesn't deserve it. I'm like, it only takes one, like yeah. one dumb team to do it, and he's going to get it.
0: And that's the thing, right? We don't owe him anything anymore. We've seen everything when it comes to Freddie Anderson. We've seen his him at his absolute best, and we've seen him at his absolute worst. And right now, I mean, you ask any Leaf fan, they do not have a lot of confidence in this guy. Yeah. And you can look at the stats. You can watch the games and just see the lack of big saves in those big moments like we just alluded to. And I think come playoff time, it's going to be a situation Whichever goalie is playing the best is going to play. And yes, will they give Freddie Anderson the benefit of the doubt and give him more of an opportunity? Of course, because he's the starting goalie. And, you know, they've gone through the last four plus years with the guy. But it's gone to the point now where there's no more fucking around. Yeah. There's no more, oh, it's, it's all right, we're going to get them next year. Or it's okay, we'll just get them in the next game. No, this team is built to win a Stanley Cup Right now. And and the whole thing, the whole thing
1: with the division thing, and like I alluded to how I expect them to go nuts at the deadline. It's like it's a different type of year. And let's face it, there's no Boston, there's no Tampa in our division. And like how we said if this team does not make the semifinals, it's on them. It's because they didn't play their best. So there's no dancing around what the thing is to do. No, no, no. We're being very direct here. We're not fucking around. (laughs) for lack of better terminology. So if there's any year where they're not going to, they're going to disrespect someone to do what's better for the team, it's going to be this year.
0: Yeah. This isn't an up and coming team that is, you know, working to become a great team and one day, you know, become a contender. No, wake up everybody. This team is a contender right now. There's no more we're, you know, we're that cute up and coming team. And like I said, we're just going to get them next year. Don't worry. Pat on the back, everybody job. Well done. There's no more of that shit. And no. that's why I think tough decisions are going to have to be made. And I have full confidence that Sheldon Keith is ready to make those tough decisions alongside Kyle Dubis. So Lepore, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this all transpires as we get closer and closer to playoff time. But Another thing that I wanted to ask you is about the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. So, obviously, a huge three-game series for them as they continue to creep closer and closer to the Leafs for first place in the North Division. What are your thoughts on this team? Like, do you actually think that they can win the Canadian Division? And do you think they can beat the Leafs in a playoff series?
1: I think it's between... I would be absolutely shocked like flabbergasted if the team to come out of the Canadian division was not the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Winnipeg Jets just because they're the best built like let's face it the Jets the Jets are one of those teams and like we've complimented the Jets a lot on this show and like us just saying now that like you know we expect we would expect the Leafs are kind of tell ourselves that the Leafs should beat them but that doesn't mean that we also don't think that Winnipeg is a very good, a very good team themselves. They're a nice team, and it's kind of weird in the way that they're very likable. Like people always have the thing about like personalities on a team, and again, we don't know these guys on a personal level, but it seems like they're just a very likable team. They're a good group. I mean, most people like Paul Maurice. We've talked about Hellebuck, so they have the goaltending. They play smart. Like, they're a smart, functional team. They're a balanced team. Can they win the Canadian division? Yes. To be honest, I mean, if you asked me that about any other team, I think I would say no. Like, I think it's that straightforward. I would say, can Toronto win? Yes. Can the Jets win? Yes. Every other team, I'd say no. Because even if it the way it's going to be set up, where we expect the Leafs and Jets to finish 1-2, I would say no one's going to beat both of them. Like, I'd be, like, people could say, well, maybe if, if McDavid and Dryside will play out of their mind, but even then, like, that would be something historic. So, like, to answer the question of, do I expect, can the Jets win the division? Absolutely. And over a seven-game series with the Leafs, I'd give the edge to the Leafs, but we just finished talking about how Connor Hullabuck's ridiculous, and they have a lot of game breakers. So... As much as a team can beat the Leafs, I would say the Jets have a chance to beat them. I mean, again, I wouldn't bet on it, but can they beat them? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, I like this Jets team. And you know what? The thing that impressed me the most watching these three games against Winnipeg was the play of that Ehlers, Kyle Connor, and Dubois line. Oh, my God. Which can I, I think... thought was easily their best line. because we all So know good. That Mark Shifley leads the team in scoring and Blake Wheeler's having another solid season, but that first line, you know, with Shifley Wheeler and Stastny honestly did not really generate a hell of a lot of offense against the Leafs. Yeah. Like they were That pretty- t- That
1: Stastny tip was crazy though. When he was like, it was going yeah, like, in the last <laughs> game, those
0: guys, you know, kind of finally woke up and Shifley scored that, you know, garbage time power play goal at the end of the game. But for yeah. the most part, The line that I was really, you know, concerned about when they were out there and you can just see based on the eye test, like, man, these guys are buzzing around, they're creating chances, chances. It was Ehlers, Connor and Dubois. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at that Jets top six, it's potent. They could score with any team in the league. And obviously we've talked a lot about Connor Hellebuck. I do think the Jets have some holes on defense. And I think for the most part, the Leafs, you know, sort of expose them and prove that they can pretty much do whatever they want, you know, in a couple of those games against Winnipeg, obviously that, that Hellebuck had to be superhuman in, but, you know, going back to can Winnipeg win the division? One thing I've, you know, been thinking about recently, Lapore, is, does it even matter who wins this division? Like if you're the Leafs or the Jets, do you even care?
1: Oh, I mean the regular season. Yeah. uh,
0: Yeah. The regular season. Do you even care at this point, if you finish first or second, there's no home advantage. thought about that. Yeah, I thought
1: about that. There's
0: no fans in the stands. Like, sure, of course, the Leafs want to win the division. I still think they're going to win the Canadian division. And, yes, I think they're going to be disappointed if they don't win the Canadian division. But I think when you kind of step back and you look at the big picture, if they finish second and the Jets win the division by two or three points, is it really going to matter? Because at the end of the day, if they're the two best teams, they're still going to meet in the conference finals. And there's not going to be home ice advantage, and sure you're going to be in your own rink for four out of the seven games, but we all know Who with no fans right now, it, it's irrelevant. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of the way I look at it as well. Is like honestly, I, I don't really think it matters in the grand scheme of things. Maybe the fans are you know getting a little bit more excited and fired up about it than the actual players are.
1: I've thought about that. I've I, I thought about even like across the league because it's getting to a point where. I mean, kind of like the old setup with the divisions, like people used to joke that like teams by Christmas were done. Because if you were last place and then flip it around, if you were at the top, you were com- If you were the Oilers, you're yeah, like comfortable. Statistically
0: you, you, you didn't, didn't have in. enough time to make up
1: ground, yeah. And vice versa. So like I wondered that like across the league, are you gonna have teams or have you already had teams that are kind of I don't wanna say checked out, but yeah, like players can get kind of bored and whatever, like we're locked in, there's no urgency. And also in the way of, and things we don't really see as fans in the way of like coaching strategies and even how the management plays and dresses guys, do they just not care? Because now we're getting ahead of, I'm going to get ahead of myself here, but even as far as like, okay, we knew you have the four teams who win the division. I would be absolutely shocked if it's on a bubble at that point. Like, I don't think they're going to have like, and who knows where we're at, like politically by that, by playoff time. But to have teams like flying back and forth, and even, even if you are, say, like the Leafs or the Jets, are you okay with that? Like going across the border and coming back, and then even with rules in certain states, how they are allowing fans? Well, if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs or I'm the Winnipeg Jets or the Edmonton Oilers, I've been playing under these restrictions all season. I'm not flying into whatever state and playing in a stadium with 10,000 people. And then there's also the matter of that being an unfair advantage for one team to have fans, the other team to not. So I think the NHL might step in there. That's a good but point. What, yeah. That's like what point. I, what I, what I expect anyway would be, okay, you have, and even who knows, maybe the divisions will end up being bubbles, but I mean, I don't think that'll happen because it seems like pretty comfortable now, but anyways, so let's say, okay, you have a regular playoff for the first two rounds? I think you'd have a team bubble. Is I, what I would, I would predict because even on the team side to like avoid the travel, stay safe, we just had, uh, we've had um, COVID positives ar- across the board. Like, even just those things of like, there was the scare with Flurry. It came back uh, a false positive. But can you imagine? Like, you're in the stand, like a final or you're in the, the semifinal and you're starting goalie as COVID.
0: Yeah. Like, you just, wanna, yeah, like you, you, you just want to colossal. Yeah. Like,
1: you just want to scrap that. So, to your point of like, do the players care? Do the teams care where they finish? I don't think they do. And to be honest, like these conversations happen well in advance. The management and ownership groups probably already know that decision's probably already been made by the NHL, of like, or at least like they're 90% there of what it's going to be once the semifinals happen. So, like, I, I to, to your point, like, I don't really think teams really care where they end up as, as long as they're in. Like, let, let's, let's face it.
0: Yeah. It almost kind of reminds me of the NBA. And I kind of, you know, it always brings me back to LeBron James. How it never really matters where his team finishes in the regular season.
1: It's and, always amazing when people are chirping him during the regular season. Like, have you not learned that he doesn't care? Yeah, like right he now? doesn't oh give my a god. shit. Oh my god! Oh my god! About where
0: his team finishes in the conference, whether it's second, third, fourth, first. Yeah they just get into this mode come playoff time, you know, look at any of the teams he's played on, whether it's Cleveland, Miami, the Lakers, obviously. And I think it's going to, it's kind of, I'm kind of getting similar vibes right now in the NHL. And you made a really good point about kind of growing tired of playing the same teams.
1: Definitely man
0: over and definitely like this. And I, and I know I don't want to give excuses and you know, for how the Leafs, you know the Leafs obviously were pretty bad this past week okay so i'm not going to sit here and make excuses for them but you can kind of see just some fatigue setting in especially towards the end of the week when they faced ottawa second night of a back to back their third string goalie's in net they fly to ottawa the day of the game they're probably like you know what let's just get this shit over with.
1: Exactly. Like, and they know they have the, they're have they looking forward to the week off. They're just yeah, like, yeah. like, like I mean, It's not an excuse. I- it's bullshit. Get the two points, but you can see it happening 100%. Yeah.
0: And Lepore, that's actually a great segue into the next conversation I want to have about the Ottawa Senators. Mm. So, recently, this created quite the stir on social media, okay? Former yeah. Senators defenseman Mark Mathot took to Twitter... And said, Ottawa will have a much better team than Toronto in two to three years. Won't even be close. And Leafs Nation lost their shit. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) And personally, I'll I'll throw it to you first before I elaborate on my thoughts. Okay. Personally, I think Mark Mathot is nuts.
1: Well, okay.
0: With this statement, and I'll explain a little bit later. But first, Lapore, I want to throw it over to you and okay. get your thoughts on this tweet from Mark Mathot.
1: Okay. okay. So I like Mark Mathot. I like Mark Mathot a lot, a lot. And actually, I actually loved him as a player. Like, I I obviously go to a lot of Sens games being in Ottawa. I loved him as a player. He was actually always the guy, like when the Leafs' D was was absolute trash all the time, he was always the guy that I was like, fuck, the Leafs need two Mark Mathots just in the way that he was just so fundamentally good and like the perfect partner to put with Carlson, a really good player in the way that you would never lose because of Mark Mathod. And with the Leafs firepower, that's, those are the types of guys they needed.
0: Yeah, just a solid, steady defenseman.
1: Oh, so good. I'm even too like his name would bounce around whenever they do like those um, projected Canada lineups. And to me people are like, "What? Mark Mathot?" I'd be like, "No, that makes perfect sense because you just need your D to be fine and not fuck it up and blow it against Russia, and that's exactly what Mark Mathot will provide." But to his comments about the Leafs and the Sens, I think Mark Mathot is a very smart guy or the person influencing his social media decisions is a very smart person. I don't think it's a coincidence that Mark Mathot has eased his way onto uh, Ottawa sports radio recently. He now has a podcast with uh, Brent Wallace. So how do you make a splash? How do you get clicks? How do you get people yelling? You talk about the biggest fan base and you poke at them. And that's exactly what Mark Mathot did. And in saying that, I'm not completely eliminating the possibility of what he said. I just think the whole thing doesn't make sense in the way that to say any team who's dead last, let's face it, dead last in the league in any year, and then point to a team who's near the top of the standings and say, oh, in two or three years, it won't it, it, they'll be better than them and it won't be close. So even the added, it won't be close. Like that was the perfect Twitter thing oh, yeah. of like, extra <laughs> yeah, like, it, it, like if you would have said, of
0: Leaf fans.
1: <laughs> yeah, if he would have said, oh, in two, in two, three years, the Ottawa Senators will be better than the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's like, okay. Like they have a lot of young players. They have, they're going to pick high again. They have a lot of star power among those young players. Like we love Stutzla, we love Kachuk. Uh, we've talked about Thomas Shabbat, but that extra little thing of like, it won't be close. So that push of the Suns are going to be incredible and the Leafs are going to be bad. And po- <laughs> bravo, Mark Mathot, bravo, Mark Mathot. But to the actual point, if we're going to talk about the question, the current Ottawa Senators team, like, like we said, we do like that team. DJ Smith, we think is a good coach. So I'm going to go through a list because I don't think this is getting enough attention with regard to the Ottawa Senators because everyone's talking about their kids. Obviously, Batherson, another good one, scored two goals against Toronto. They have those kids in North Dakota. That Sanderson defenseman looks amazing. Again, they're going to pick high again, so something to be fearful for if you're a team in their division. But like sickos are fired
0: up about that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, but from a management standpoint, so I'm going to run through some of their current contracts, because I think because of all the hype of these young kids and all their cap space, no one really talks about their current cap space or current cap situation and some of the moves Dorian has done. So if I asked you, Bruno, um, Dadnov, if I said, okay, Dadnov is a free agent this summer. He wants a two-year deal at $5 million a year. He's got 11 points in 31 games played this year. Would you want the Leafs to sign him?
0: Absolutely not.
1: Okay, moving on. Uh, Colin White. White, and uh, a lot of people in Ottawa who are not Senators fan. it's like an ongoing joke because Pierre Maguire and I think some of the other guys on 1200 here, after uh, Colin White's excellent performance at the World Juniors, uh, his com- his comparable, and you love when they do this with the draft. Love oh, is the best with Pierre oh Wire. Oh, you ready for this one, Patrice? Patrice Bergeron with no. better with better offensive ability. No. that was the quote no. on, on on Colin White. Okay. Oh my so goodness! If Colin White was a free agent this summer and he wanted four years at four point seven five million a year, would you give it to him? Hell no. Moving on, Connor Brown. If you wanted two years at 3.6 million a year, would you give it to him? Absolutely not. It's getting better. Nikita Zaitsev, if you wanted three years at 4.5 million a year, hello, Leaves fans. No. Would you want to sign him? No. No. And the last one, Murray in nets. Three years left on his deal after this at 625 million a year. Would you want Murray to be the goalie?
0: Here's what I'll say about Murray. I was actually really optimistic about how he could turn his career around. Obviously too. he's won Me two too. Stanley cups. He's Me still too. young. He's still relatively young. I think he's, yeah, like, he's what, young. 27, 26, even, 27. He might
1: not even be that old. It's because he got in right away. You think he's older than he is, but yeah, he's, he's younger than we all think he but is.
0: Man. Yeah. Oh man. Laporte, the way he's been playing. I got to say no to that as well.
1: Exactly. So to Mark Mathot's point of in two to three years, the Ottawa Senators will be better than the Toronto Maple Leafs and it won't be close. Well, I mean, people can get traded. Things can happen. But in that two or three years from now, Dadnov, White, Brown, Zaitsev, and Murray will all be on the Ottawa Senators. And that's $24.1 million on the cap.
0: That's not good.
1: That's not good. Yeah. And there's been, among Sens fans, like, of course, being in Ottawa, I have a lot of, like, friends who are Sens fans. The thing they've often said about Pierre Dorian is, is that he's an amazing scout, but a terrible general manager. Like he has the eye for talent, but when it just comes to contract time, he just gives these like average guys like way too much money. Like Zach Smith was one. And then like weird, like weird decisions in the way that it was a bit. And also, speaking of Mark Mathot, the Sens lost Mark Mathot in the expansion draft to Vegas because they protected Zach Smith.
0: Yeah, it's like, why? Why? Like, (laughs) I remember he
1: he got that deal. And then there was, I remember there's a whole issue with Dion. Now we're getting deep into it. There's a whole issue with Dion Fanuff that they could have exposed Fanuff if Fanuff gave them permission because they knew Fanuff wouldn't be taken. So it would have been a smart move by the Sens. But then Fanuff refused because I guess that one chance in his mind of like going to a place he didn't want to go. So then they protected Smith instead of Mathot. And then obviously Mathot got taken. So in retrospect, that was a terrible decision. But anyways, again, bravo to Mark Mathot for stirring the pot. It's always fun. You try your best to avoid Twitter comments for your, to keep your mental health <laughs> as best as it can be. But bravo to him. He's making a name for himself. Like I said, local radio. He's got the podcast. He's a good storyteller, man. I've heard him on the radio. He tells some great stories. But like I said, get on him, man. You want to get some attention, poke Leafs fans. And here we are in our podcast talking about it. So there you go, Mark. If you want to come on the show, Mark, we'd love to have you. It'd be great.
0: Absolutely. Come join us, Mark Mathod. I would love yeah. I would love to have a little conversation with you because here's my take on this no. situation.
1: Here we go. Hurry and, hard.
0: And I, listen, I totally understand what he's doing. Okay. That's the content game. How can we fire up fans? How can we get more engagement? How can we poke the bear? Give me all that clickbait, right? That's what content is all about.
1: We know Uh, nothing about that, right, Bruno?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know anything about about the content. It's not going well,
1: by the way. Yeah, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, when I I look at this tweet, okay, let's just break this down. So in two to three years, He thinks the Senators are going to be better than the Leafs. And and let me just completely ignore the whole, it won't even be close. I'm going to completely ignore that. One thing I need to say to Senators fans and other teams that are going through a rebuild, not all rebuilds are created equal.
1: Hilarious. Teams going through rebuilds is hilarious. I, I,
0: I cannot understand how fans of certain teams think that just because their team sucks right now and they're gathering all these prospects and these draft picks, that it automatically means that, you know, in two, three, four years, they're going to be a contender.
1: Hashtag Buffalo Sabres. (laughs)
0: Hashtag Buffalo Sabres. Hashtag Edmonton Oilers, who have the best player on the planet Mm -hmm. and Leon Dreisaitl and still can't figure it out. When I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, Okay. So in 2016, 2017, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Hyman, all rookies. There were more rookies on that team. Connor Brown
1: Zaitsev um, went Zaitsev forever. was also yeah. a rookie
0: that season. Did
1: not they make a record? I think that it was, a, it was like oh, a record for an opening a, night lineup, They had like 11 rookies or something. Oh, cra- yeah, I might it was be wrong or something crazy. Yeah.
0: But that rookie class came in and immediately made an impact. Now, did they have a better supporting cast than the Senators currently do? Yes, they did, because there was guys like Nazem Kadri and Jake Gardner, and obviously Morgan Riley was there, right? Yeah. So there were Tyler already... Tyler
1: James Van Riemsdyk. Exactly.
0: Yeah. There were already some solid complementary pieces, but the thing with that Leafs rookie class is that they were just really, really good. They Austin were too had- good. It, it,
1: they were too good. It fucked us contract-wise because they got too good too fast.
0: Exactly. And you look at... Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. I'm not even going to include Zach Hyman, but to have three rookies who are that good. And to this day, two of them are considered at this point, Matthews, I would consider a top five player in the world. You could make a case that Marner is a top 10 to 15 player. I mean, you you could say maybe he's a little bit worse than that. Nylander, we're not going to put in that tier yet. These are three really, really good players. And when I look at the Ottawa Senators, I don't want to hear it because Thomas Shabbat is in year four. Brady Kachuk is in year three. And Tim Stutzla obviously now in his rookie season, he's the one player on that team who I think has legitimate superstar potential. Now, I really like Thomas Shabbat. I think he's a really good player. But just specifically looking at their forward group, he is the one player who I think is going to be a superstar. So this is the first year that... Let's call it the three cornerstone players that they have, have played together. And Lapore, they're one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. Like I said, year four of Shabbat, year three of Kachuk, and Stutzla joins them now for the first time, and they're terrible. So yeah. don't tell me that in two to three years, just because they're going to get another high draft pick this year, and they drafted defenseman Jake Sanderson, and they have these other young guys coming up, I could give you a laundry list of Leafs prospects over the years that Leaf fans thought were going to be really good. And to this day, or in this moment, we're going to be key contributors on this Leafs team. And they have either been traded or... Or they just sucked and didn't pan out.
1: Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of those. Remember that guy? I mean, like, there's a lot of those. In, yeah, like uh, remember in when everyone play. thought
0: Jeremy Bracco? Jeremy Bracco. Was I was gonna, I, I was league. gonna
1: say, oh, he's the next Marner. Like, I remember here he's so, probably We got so Marner. do tell me
0: Senators fans uh, talking about uh, Shane Pinto. I believe his name is. I think they drafted him in the second round. And and some of the other prospects they have. Don't don't talk as if these guys are going to be stars in the league. And you know go-to key contributors for your team in the next two to three years. And then another thing that I look at, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander are all under contract until at least 2023-2024. Uh, so what makes any Senators fan think that the Senators in that time span are going to surpass the Leafs?
1: I think what happens, and this is talking about all fan bases, like we just made fun of ourselves. First of all, what is amazing about this conversation is that the ends beat the just beat the Leafs and Paris and pretty bad. Bravo, Sens. You guys played awesome. And we love the auto Senators on Glenzer Podcast. We're just talking about Mark Mathot right now. So I think what fans, and this is like a broad hockey topic, and it happens every World Juniors. It happens every time you list prospects. The first one is age. So they'll talk about a kid, anyone, any fan base, anyone in the media will talk about a kid who's, say, playing Major Junior. And he's 19 years old. He's already been drafted. He was a first round pick and oh, he's ripping it up. And I always sit back and I'm like, well, if he's a 19 year old and he's a first round draft pick and he's playing against other kids who are his age and younger, I expect him to rip it up. So there's that, there's that element of it. Or let's say the, the kid who's playing college hockey and they're like, oh, he's, you know, going to win the Hobie Baker. So-and-so has got this many goals. I'm like, well, it happens in college where the prospect's like 20. It's like, well, if he's 20, there's 20-year-olds 20 in the NHL.
0: Didn't if, Jimmy VC win the Hobie Baker? Jimmy VC
1: won the Hobie Baker. So everyone getting excited about one of their prospects being nominated for the Hobie Baker. Jimmy VC won yeah, the Hobie congratulations. Baker. Congratulations! So it's that idea of like, well, there's 20-year-olds in the NHL. Even an average 20-year-old in the National Hockey League, if you put them in NCAA hockey, they would dominate. Absolutely dominate. And I think that always gets mistaken, or they'll, they'll compare numbers. And not to bring it to woo the Leafs. But say like Marner, for example marner had that crazy season with london where he won everything as an 18 year old so he still had one more to go like his first year with the leafs he still could have been playing junior hockey put up like 60 something points imagine he would have been playing for the london knights or you insert that kid in the world juniors like it would he would have been a cheat code so i think that's a common mistake that people make when evaluating prospects they look at these dominant numbers and they don't look at their age or they don't really use the perspective of like the expectation based on that player like and, and again like I'm, I'm complimenting a player saying okay let's say a defenseman is picked in the top 10 in the draft and then let's say he's playing in junior junior hockey or ncaa hockey oh he's dominating and they're all excited it's like well he was picked in the top 10 your expectation isn't to dominate it's obviously a good thing that he's done thank god he's dominating you should be you should be scared if he's not dominating playing with kids But when
0: you're picking him that high in the draft, that's yeah, that's, that's that's my point contributor, a potential elite player for your team. He better be dominating levels of hockey.
1: Yeah. He's playing against players who will never get a sniff at pro hockey. Like he should dominate. And again, it's, it's I'm complimenting the player, but I'm just saying that's where the expectation lies. And again, it happens always in the world juniors, like some kid, these, these players who play for Canada, rip it up again. They're not a lot of the time. They're 19 when they're 18 and dominating. That's something, or even someone's younger. I always laugh Crosby. So Crosby made it and then we're going to completely off the rails here, but it's, you know, good conversations and perspective. Crosby was 16 when he made the world junior team the first time Then made it again at 17, obviously at 18, he was in the NHL. So he didn't play. And then at 19, he won the Hart trophy. So he should, could have still been playing junior hockey <laughs> the year he won the heart yeah, trophy. Imagine. imagine what he And again, have done. I'm not saying you're anyone is comparing their prospects to Sidney Crosby, but I was, I was trying to tell people to try to focus on that, like where they are compared to their peers and where they were selected and where your expectations should lie based on where they were selected. Cause everyone's let's face it. If you're drafted into the NHL, especially in the first round, it's because you're elite. So in that lower level, you're going to be elite. And that's not saying none of these kids for the Senators are going to make it or for any team we'd be talking about. I just find it's hilarious when people talk about prospects and like so-and-so is dominating this, so-and-so is dominating that. They should be dominating if they're even going to be a bad NHL player. Yeah, And and
0: fans just naturally get more excited about their own prospects and all their draft picks than they probably should. And and just another thing to kind of tie, tie it all up, which I kind of forgot to mention with the Leafs, is that year that all of those rookies came in, you know, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Hyman, go down the list. They took the Washington Capitals to six games in the they first made the round play- of the playoffs. Yeah,
1: making the playoffs. So it's not like it's there crazy. was this slow,
0: you know, let's ease our way into the NHL. Matthews scored 40 friggin' goals, and this like team I said, almost beat the us, Washington Capitals in the playoffs. Yeah. So to tell me that this Senators team with... Like I mentioned, Shabbat in year four, Kachuk in year three, Stutzla now on board, where they're still a bottom feeder in the NHL. I'm just, I'm just tempering expectations a little bit for Senators fans. Yes. Do we really like some of the prospects that you guys have on your roster? Absolutely. I love Tim Stutzla. I'm ready to go get a a Tim Stutzla jersey. That backhand pass he made on the power play to Drake Batherson, disgusting.
1: Worst fucking tape job in the league, but I love that kid.
0: Oh yeah, oh that tape job is something else, say eh?
1: Anyways, yeah.
0: But yeah, it's just like I think fans just really, really need to temper their expectations when their team is still rebuilding and there's still a lot of variables at play and they haven't proven that they can even make the playoffs at this point. Yeah. But to
1: sum it to sum it all up, I mean again, Mark Mathaugh knew exactly what he was doing, but any argument in favor of what he said is a what if. That's what I would respond that that's what I would respond with anything you say is that this may be that this may be that this may be that well then if you, if that's your argument sorry you lost
0: yeah no absolutely all right Lapor well before we wrap this thing up let's talk about the Leafs upcoming schedule because they got <laughs> of they sorts because <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of time off they played they got got a lot games. of thinking to do during this time off they played two games this week. Two games the following week. So this week on the schedule, Friday and Saturday night, they have Daryl Sutter and the Calgary Flames. So, Here they come. So what are you hoping that the Leafs, I guess, address during this well-needed time off? And yeah. what do you expect to see when they take on the Calgary Flames?
1: I mean, you hope and expect that they'll take this time to kind of reflect at what's happened during the season so far and really look at this past week because again, we hate to sound cliche on this podcast, but hopefully it was a little bit of a slap in the face that you need once in a while when you are a good team to kind of remind yourself that, you know, people can beat you and you're not as good as everyone says you are sometimes. So I really hope they take it. They take some time to reflect. They got nothing else to do. And the coaching staff's got nothing else to do. So, and again, they're at home for those two games against the Flames too, right? So they're not going anywhere. They're they're just chilling, waiting to play. So what else can you say other than you expect them to come out guns a-blazing and uh, try to allow Leafs fans to uh, forget about this like blip, negative blip they've had in the schedule?
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, you just got to reset the Leafs have 26 games left on the schedule. They've pretty much played the most games really of any team in the league. They've played 30. And I believe I'm just looking at it right now. The Canucks and senators have played 31.
1: So yeah, I noticed that.
0: So the Leafs have played a lot of hockey here, you know, like we alluded to earlier in the podcast, not making excuses for them, but you could see that it's just kind of gotten into a point in the season where maybe they've taken their foot off the gas a little bit. The intensity wasn't there last week, especially towards the end of the week, you know, obviously in that loss to the Ottawa Senators. So they got some time off now, regroup, you know, figure out how you're going to attack this moving forward and maybe they go after somebody Laporte. Maybe that's another yeah. thing we should talk about real quick is do yeah. you expect this team to make a move? before the trade deadline. I mean, this would be a really good time to make a move considering all the time off they have. And if someone has to come the over quarantine. from an American team, they can quarantine. Would you like to see them add a forward or a defenseman? What are your thoughts on that real quick?
1: Oh, Bruno, I fully expect this team to add. It's like what we talked on before of this year as an opportunity. I fully expect at least that first round pick to be gone. And Even, like, looking down the prospect list of, like, certain names, like, I don't know, man. I think we might be shocked to see someone go that we're not maybe fully ready for. But it's a rare opportunity in the way that where this team's at right now and the structure, the structure of the playoffs. And uh, they're looking in the mirror and saying, this is who we are and this is our opportunity. So I said, they can't fuck around. So, like, I I want and expect them to do something. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen right now, like, during this uh, this stretch where they're not playing too often. But, again, like you said, it makes sense because the whole quarantine thing. So, we may see it. We may wake up tomorrow and there, there's a trade, and then that player can, you know, do his thing and come into the lineup. Yeah, but, I think anything's
0: I mean, in play at this point. Because, like you mentioned, like, we could trade a first-round pick. And even – I saw an article on sportsnet.ca. I believe it was from Luke Fox – who even brought up the idea that the Leafs could trade Rodion Amarov, who they just picked oh, in the first round this past and
1: Fully in play, 100%. And if they can add,
0: you know, a quality defenseman or a top six forward, they might have to part with a guy like that. And I know Leafs fans got really excited when, you know, they took Rodion Amarov last year and they saw him play at the World Juniors for Russia and he looks like he's a really good, skilled forward, but... That's someone who could certainly be in play if they want to upgrade this team because, like we've said, it's now or never. Now, is or this never. the last year? The team's going to be blown up? No, but they. Well, we got, according
1: we, to Mark, we we only got two, three years, and then yeah. it's all shutting down. So,
0: but based we on really the, want
1: you on this show, Mark. Come oh, on, Mark,
0: you got to come on. You really got to come on. But no, based on the way this year is set up, and we've talked about this on previous shows with the Canadian division being the first two rounds of the playoffs before you get to the final four, there might not be a better chance for the Leafs to get to a Stanley Cup final in, let's call it the Matthews and Marner era, than right now.
1: Yeah, no, this is it. It's not that this is it in the way that it's now or never, but this is the best chance on paper. Like this this will be it in the way of like the the carpets rolled out. I'll ask you this one though, because this name popped in my head and Lee fans may not want to hear hear me say this. Would you consider letting go of Timothy Lilligren?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I think Rasmus Sandine is the player you gotta hold on to. And you know, who knows? Maybe within the next couple of days, both of them are gonna get traded. You never know, yeah. right? But I, I think that Sandine at this point has, I think pretty, pretty much solidified the fact that he's going to be a better player than Timothy Lilligren. And I know that they yeah. were both first round picks. And, you know, I remember when Lilligren was coming out, I believe he had mono and he was supposed to get picked oh, higher dude. in the draft. And the Oh, Bruno, they,
1: they had him at first overall. They looked at first overall that the year before his draft, and then the whole mono thing and all that. Yeah. yeah,
0: slipped down the draft board. These smart and savvy Leafs, you know, swooped in and stole yeah. him. You know, late mid to late first round. But at this point, I mean, based on what I've seen from Sandine, I would I would be upset if they let him go. Um, but with Lilligren, I don't think I feel the same at this point.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. What Robertson? That'd be Ooh. madness. That'd Ooh, be that's madness. That's another good one, Laporte I mean, Yeah, just like I, I hey. know. But Robertson. Now we're getting into things like I want something crazy, but like that, I want but something that's crazy. That's in play.
0: Guy. That that's in play, and you know what? I think I think Leaf fans have to recognize that because based on where this team is at right now, and listen, I I think especially this off season, they really placed an importance on like good veteran, solid leadership. You know, guys like Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton. And listen, these guys aren't going to go out there and, and win you a Stanley Cup.
1: Well, Spats a only
0: going to go with
1: <laughs> Spats a might. Oh, yeah, Jason Spetzal
0: might. He's probably the best player in the world right now. Oh, right? yeah,
1: the hard trophy winner, Jason Oh, Spets my it.
0: goodness. But, yeah, it's like – so they, they've clearly placed, you know, an importance on having guys like this in the lineup, right, where – It's like it's like I said; those guys aren't going to move the needle necessarily, but maybe they go out and try to get another experienced grizzled vet. And I'm not saying they're going to go out and get some 40 year old guy,
1: right? But well, people keep bringing up Stall, and I'm like, they're not going to do that. But
0: maybe they trade a Robertson or a Lilligren or a Rodion Amarov or a Rasmus Sandin. You never know; they they really could part with any of these guys.
1: You're making me sweat, Bruno.
0: If there's someone that they're really targeting and that Dubis really wants, and he feels like this is the year to do it, then Lapora, honestly, man, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he pulls yeah. the trigger on a deal involving any of those players.
1: Yeah. But uh, It's going to be fun.
0: It's going to be really fun, man. Anything, any last thoughts you want to get in here before I wrap this thing up?
1: Mm. I don't know, man. You kind of freak me out with all this trade talk. I'm having a hard time sleeping tonight going through all these trade situations in my head and these kids, these prospects that I like put so highly as all fans do, right? You don't want to let go of them, but uh, no, just, you know what? Happy to slam the door on this week. Hopefully we uh, never have to talk about these uh, last few games ever again. And we can laugh at it later on when the Leafs are just dominating as they should be.
0: Well said, Laporte. And I've mentioned this on a previous podcast. Listen, Leafs Nation. I know it was a bad week. I know you're pissed off. I know you're frustrated. I know you want so-and-so traded. And I know you're just really, really disappointed right now. But this team still leads the Canadian division. They're still one of the top teams in the NHL. They're one of the top teams in goal differential and points percentage. This team is still really good. And they're going through a tough stretch right now, but I think everything's going to be just fine. So once again, let's just all relax and enjoy the ride. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube. If you listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, we would really, really appreciate it. If you go on there, you subscribe to the show. And if you enjoy the show, why don't you just go ahead and give us a five-star rating and review. And then of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, it would be awesome if you hammered that like button and subscribe to the channel. And then while you're at it, ring that bell as well. So you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lapore. I'm Anthony Bruno, and we will see you guys next time.
1: Thanks, everyone.